Hello, everybody, and welcome to the BearCast Media Bengals preview show. I am Justin Cashman alongside Alex Frank, and this is our final preview show of the year, Alex. I mean, 17 weeks. It's been a long year, uh, kind of maybe an un- uneventful year for the Bengals, but we made it. Uh, we got through it, and uh, it's kind of sad, you know? We've been, uh, yeah, we've been with this team this entire journey, and it's, it's about to be at an end. It's a sad time of the year, but... Um, still got a big game tomorrow, uh, uh, division rival, and we could knock the Ravens out of the playoffs. What about what if that happened? And Party the Bengals won three straight and knocked the Ravens out of the playoffs to cap the cap off the regular season. Party like it's twenty seventeen. I mean, I don't I don't want to do too much uh, you know season reflection without you know getting into this game a little bit, but um, you know there are a lot of storylines. Um, you know, going into tomorrow's game, uh, storylines like this possibly being A.J. Green's last game with the Bengals ever. Um, Alex, you'll be at the game. There will be a lot of motions running. Um, I'm sure it's going to be a very emotional game for A.J. Green and all the fans who have loved and supported him over the last 10 years. Um, one of the best players to have ever played the wide receiver position in the, in the NFL, in my opinion. Um, and... Uh, like I mentioned, you know, we can knock the Ravens out of the playoffs, and how great would that be if the Raven Killer had a huge game against the Ravens and even broke a franchise record for, I believe, most touchdowns in Bengals history? Well, he's one away from tying the record, two away from breaking it for a, a wide receiver in franchise history. He's one behind Chad Johnson, so he needs one to tie, two to break it. But, yeah, I mean, you said it, Justin. It would be... You know, and if people out there are saying, what meaning does it have that you knock a team out of the playoffs? Oh, there's a lot of meaning. I mean, look at two years ago, um, or three years ago, excuse me, when the Bengals knocked the Ravens out of the playoffs in Week 17. Dalton the boy. They didn't have to play the way they did in that game. You know, control the game from the opening kickoff. But they did, and there is... There is meaning to winning your season finale and knocking a team out of the playoffs. Great organizations, regardless of what their record is, even good organizations, can find a way to motivate themselves and find something to play for in any game. Even if you're 4-10-1, completely out out of the playoff race, you can still find something to play for. And in this case, if you're the Bengals, it's finishing off the season with a third consecutive win, more than doubling your win total from the previous year. You can go 2-4 and four in the division, which would be a one-win improvement from last year. You can avoid a season sweep of the Ravens, and you can continue to show that the second time you face an elite division opponent with Zach Taylor at the helm of head coach, you can play significantly better than you played against them the first time. Because let's not forget... You know, we may forget that it was three months ago, but the Bengals were embarrassed by the Ravens. 27-3. It it wasn't that great of a game. It was a very... uh, Joe Burrow was under duress the entire game. The offensive line was abysmal. And the Bengals just simply... They looked like they did not belong on the same field. It's just this fast and furious Ravens team. But we saw against the Steelers... Five weeks after getting blown out 36-10, to 10, here the, the, the Bengals were on 
There the Bengals were on Monday Night Football on a national stage, and they beat the Steelers at their own game. Then they go to te then they go to Houston, win that game. Now you can finish off the season with three straight wins, and your season will be finished with five ten and one. You will have won two division games. You will have beaten three teams with ten or more wins, possibly three playoff teams. You've already beaten one division title winning team, possibly two if Tennessee wins tomorrow, and it would just be. You know, it would just show that this season, what ended up being accomplished, which we said, what do we say at the outset of the season? We wanted to see this team make improvements from last year. And to this point, they have. But if you are able to finish off the season tomorrow with a win, with no pressure against a really good Ravens team that's playing some good football right now, that would just validate everything that Zach Taylor has preached, everything that the that this that the players have that the players have worked for, all the adversity that this team went through throughout the season. That's what this win would would do for the Bengals tomorrow. And you think about what where this team could be had Joe Burrow not gone down with an injury. Um, I don't want to say that they'd be in playoff contention, but you know I think they very could well be sitting at um, seven eight wins. You never I mean it's hard to say. And uh, I'm sure it would have been awesome to have seen Joe Burrow lead this team to the wins that they had you know, against the Steelers and against the Texans. Um, and I know a lot of fans are really upset about the, game, about the team winning these last couple of games, uh, obviously due to um, draft uh, position uh, implications, and a lot of guys really wanted Panay Sewell. Um, you know, at, at best, this team is going to have the number five pick. At worst, I believe it's number 11. Um, but this just goes to show that these players, these coaches, this franchise – you know, they're not thinking to the draft right now. You know, I'm sure they're already thinking about guys that they might like to take, but winning is what is most important. And even some of the players said it. I think it might have been Christian Covington earlier on the week said, you know, it's important for these guys to learn how to win. It's important for this team to know what it's like to have that winning feeling, and especially to beat divisional uh, opponents. Um, and that Steelers game was a great example of it. And I think beating the Ravens tomorrow would, you know, it's not going to do anything for you. Uh, as far as making the playoffs or not, but like you said, like knocking a team out of the playoffs, like that's a huge deal. That's a huge thing, especially a divisional opponent um, like the Ravens, who we've been downright embarrassed by the last couple of years with Lamar Jackson. Um, it's huge for this team, and I'm sure that's going to carry a lot of momentum into 2021. Um, you know, you and I have talked a lot about what this team could do in free agency and the draft and whatnot, and, uh, um, you know, riding that wave of momentum with Zach Taylor into the third year. Um, with some maybe some new faces on the offensive line and some free agents and some draft picks. Um, it could do a lot for this team. And, you know, not everybody's going to be back next year. Um, you know, William Jackson, Carl Lawson, those are just a few of the free agents. But um, And I know that it might not mean a lot to them if they don't plan on being here, but it should matter to the rest of them because everybody's playing for their job right now. Everybody's playing for a contract. You know, I talked about this. Um, I believe before after the Steelers game, you know, these guys, this is their job. This is their um, livelihood. This is what they do for a living. And they have to put food on the table for their family and for themselves. And if they don't do that, then, you know, why, why are they playing hard? And we referenced J.J. Watt's, uh, you know, postgame speech after the Bengals game. He said, if you can't get up, if you can't go to practice, if you can't work hard, if you can't do the everyday in and out grind and hustle of being an NFL player, even when you suck and you're not even in the playoffs, you don't deserve to be here. And if the Bengals come out tomorrow effortless and, you know, like a dead fish, then, you know, it just goes to show that this team really doesn't care. But 
I don't think that's going to happen. I think they're going to come out, you know, feisty, ready to go with a great game plan. I think Zach Taylor's coaching to the end, and it, it's really shown these last couple of weeks. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm super excited for tomorrow's game. I know it's not going to mean much, but uh, if we could recreate what, ha- what happened in 2017, that'd be phenomenal. Yeah, and you said it, that, you know, this team isn't looking to head to the draft in April because, you know, the draft is not going. The draft isn't the only thing that's going to help you win in the future. What's going to help you win in the future, as you said, is learning how to win now. And even though it may not be, even though wins may not get you anywhere other than just winning games. And Jamal, I think it was uh, running backs coach Jamal Singleton who said this on Bengals line on Monday night. He said that you know when you win, there's a different vibe in the building than when you lose. And when you win two in a row, that vibe is just greater. And that's what this team has done. So for anyone out there who is upset that this organi- that this team is winning now, I'm sorry, but you're not a true fan. Like, as a Bengals fan, like the only time I maybe didn't root for them to win was last year against Miami. And that was because I knew if they lost that game that they were going to get the number one overall pick and Joe Burrow was going to come here. But even then, I f- it felt weird. Like, why am I rooting for them to lose? I wanted them to win. I want them to win every game. You know... These guys, as you said, no NFL player, no NFL team is, is intentionally trying to lose. They're not trying to lose. D- look at the Jets. They've won two in a row. Look at the Dolphins last year. They went, what, 0-7 to start the season? And they were, like, they, they called an all-out blitz on 3rd and 20 against the Steelers on Monday Night Football, and the Steelers scored a touchdown off of it. And you thought, okay, they're definitely tanking. They went 5-4 and four after that. They're not tanking. No team in the NFL intentionally tries to lose. Because these players, they only have a certain span that they play in this league. So they're not going to try and lose games so they can get a high draft pick. Because who's to say that draft pick's going to automatically solve your issues? Joe Burrow got hurt this year. And guess what? The Bengals have been somewhat, they've been pretty damn competitive the last five games. Play the Giants tough. Dolphins game was a different story. Cowboys game, say what you want about that game. Like, I saw a team with with, with a cleared and defined game plan. They wanted to run the football. And by the way, Brandon Allen, that game was 27 to 36. And look what he did last week at Houston. That game at Houston, like you can say, what's the big deal? You beat a four and ten team. Uh, okay, first road win since September thirtieth, twenty eighteen. You got the best of a team with a quarterback who is in the top, who might be a top five quarterback. So the point, Justin, here is this, and you said this: winning matters all the time, especially in, especially in the NFL. There's only sixteen games. And the, and the physical demands for an NFL player are so extreme that they're not going to, that no player, no team, like I said, is going to try and just intentionally lose. No, they're going to try and win. Because that, that is going to show these players what winning is like. It's not just, it's not just mailing it in and, counting down the days and waiting to the draft? No. 
You're trying to win now because if you don't win now, as Lance McAllister said, when does it matter? And you mentioned it, you know, like the Jets, like they were in a prime position to get one of the future generational quarterbacks in Trevor Lawrence, and they beat the Rams on the road, and then they beat the Browns at home. Two teams, as it stands right now, are both in the playoffs. If that doesn't tell you the determination and the grit and the, you know, just the effort that the Jets were giving, then, you know, like you just clearly aren't watching football because, you know, if you're a player, if you're an NFL player, and you know you're only guaranteed 16 games, 16 regular season games every year, wouldn't you feel ashamed of yourself if you didn't give your all and didn't give your best every single outing? That's what you owe to the fan base. You know, I don't want to sound, you know, like being a player, I'm sure is a lot different, but when you get, like, I'm going to kind of go into a whole monologue, but, you know, when you get drafted by a team, you know, that is one of the biggest honors of your life. When you sign to a team, even as an undrafted free agent, that is one of the biggest honors of your life because you're getting to play, you know, one of the best games uh, to have ever been invented at a professional level for a living. You're getting paid millions of dollars to do to have play a game for a living. And if you go out and you show a team that you just don't care, you don't care about giving out you know, 100% effort, then why would they keep you around? They don't have to. I think the average NFL span of a player is like three and a half years, something like that. I mean, you're not guaranteed anything. Injuries happen. Um, you know, things happen. You get cut. You get released. You get traded. Um, and not only that, but, you know, one of the more important things that I thought was really uh, crucial for the Bengals was, you know, during the Bengals-Steelers game, Joe Burrow was tweeting out. He said, you know, he misses playing football. And I think that's, you know, that's important because you see that your young rookie quarterback is still fired up and he's still, um, you know, paying attention. He's watching all the games because he cares. He cares. He wants to be there. Um, and I think that's just a small, um, what's the word, microcosm of this entire team because I think this team doesn't quit. They care. They want to be there. They're playing for Zach Taylor. And like you said, you know, even if they haven't always won all the games, like the Cowboys game, they were clearly playing. They wanted to run the ball. Um, and I think all of these games are just as important to, you know, the fan base as it is to the players. You want, you go back to that Cowboys game and what Zach Taylor said after the game when he was asked about the turnovers early on, three straight fumbles to start the game. And he said that he was irate. And that was the first time where Zach Taylor really had his positivity kind of shaken. And I think the team has come together ever since then. And we didn't expect that. Like, we all thought, you know, it was only going to get worse from here because you're playing the Steelers on Monday Night Football. We knew who the Steelers were, this big, bad, physical team, despite their struggles coming in. And the Bengals just simply beat them at their own game. And then you think about going on a short week on the road to face Houston, practicing in 10-degree weather. Did you hear that? Did you hear that Zach Taylor in his post-game press conference after the Houston game, when you, um, when he said that you know they had practiced on Christmas Day in 10-degree weather and you know no, nobody complained about it, you know everybody was dialed in, and that showed the character and resolve of the, of of, the, of this football team. And you know they went out there in Houston, the roof I believe was closed, and you know it was comfortable conditions. You know there wasn't a big crowd, obviously due to COVID, so you had. You know a lot of comfortability i guess your offense was clicking the entire game your defense they played uh outside of the third quarter and part of the fourth quarter reasonably well and made some big play and and, and zam hubbard made that huge play 
down the, uh, late in the game on Deshaun Watson with the strip sack, and Marcus Hunt was right there for the interception, what ultimately turned out to be an INT. So what you're seeing is this team has come together for Zach Taylor. And you mentioned Joe Burrow, him tweeting. Keep in mind, Joe Burrow is in California right now. He's not anywhere near the tri-state. He's not even in the eastern time zone. He's all the way across the country in California. And here he is tweeting about his team, this team, winning on Monday Night Football against the Steelers. He could have been sorry for himself. Woe is me. I'm not out there on national TV. Instead, he was he was tweeting for his teammates. That's a guy I want as my franchise quarterback. Need I remind you that he's not even very active on social media whatsoever. Exactly. Like, his... When he tweeted after he was injured, that was his first tweet in how long was it? A while. Yeah. He's not... Yeah, he's not very... Like, like when he posts on Instagram, it's a big deal. Like, he posted... That's a nice uh, uh, phone, I, case. I phone case. As I my Joe Burrow phone case. Yeah. You also have a Joe Burrow key fob, uh, keychain. So, the last time before... The last time he had tweeted before the Steeler game was when he the day he had gotten hurt against Washington. So that was about a four-week span. Yeah. And what was the last time he tweeted before the Washington game when he was injured? Uh, it was in September. Okay. September. What but, was it? What, what, what did he tweet in September? It was... Oh no! Sorry, it was in October. No, sorry. Oh, it was, okay. Uh, it was uh, it was about the Lordstown Motors electric truck that he is uh, sponsored by. Um, oh yes, he posts he posted something about that on Instagram too. But, but go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say that you know, like having that continuity and having that, um, you know, like this fan base. You know, I remember when Joe Burrow was the guy that everyone knew was going to come to Cincinnati, and everyone was. You know, watching going into the playoffs, and he threw the seven touchdowns against Oklahoma, and then he beat Clemson in the championship game. Um, you know, won the Heisman. He was on top of the world, uh, winning all these awards and having all these accomplishments and accolades. Um, and like you said, like the only game that this team might have wanted to actually lose was that Miami game because you knew for a fact you're going to get the best quarterback in college football. Um, and it just sparked so much energy and so much excitement in the city. And while this, I, I think. We all knew there were going to be growing pains going into this season, and I don't think anyone expected this team to go from two and fourteen to a Super Bowl contender. Uh, maybe some, but uh, you know, I think any reasonable person would have said this team wasn't going to win a Super Bowl. Um, but we were hoping for maybe a little more success than they had this year. Obviously, Joe Burrow was injured during the Washington game, so who knows where they could have been uh, at this point in the season. Um, but when, like you said, like when he posts on Instagram or when he posts on Twitter, it's a big thing. He gets you know, hundreds of thousands of retweets and likes, and it's a big thing because, um, you know, this is the guy that's the face of this franchise. This is a guy that we're going to see on uh, uh, billboards and posters in the city of Cincinnati for years to come. Um, you know, we might talk about him alongside the guys like Elway, Montana, Manning, um, some of those guys as some of the, one of the best quarterbacks to ever play. Obviously, that might be a stretch given that he only played seven, eight games, whatever it was this year. Um, but he was on pace to have some of the Bengals' rookie records. I think it was you know, passing yards, touchdowns, you know, all of those. Um, so that's just a small, um, you know, that's just a small sample that we got. So who knows what he could be, um, you know, moving forward. But yeah, when he tweeted about that Steeler game, like everyone was like, "Oh my God!" Like Joe Burrow, he's really invested because 
like you said, he had just gotten ACL surgery. You know, he's in the middle of rehab. Um, you know, he's in a different time zone. Uh, he could be doing anything, but he's choosing to watch his team play in, a, you know, a game that most people thought they were going to lose, and they ended up, you know, surprisingly beating the Steelers on Monday Night Football. Um, and I think that he's a guy that, you know, just gets us not only this fan base excited, but this whole organization excited. You know, these guys are happy to be playing with Joe Burrow. I like how we just uh, immediately go into a Joe Burrow segment, but or, uh, well, you mentioned. You, I was going to say this. You mentioned the the only game the Bengals wanted maybe we wanted them to lose was the Miami game last year because we knew what what the I don't want to say there's there's no such thing as a reward for losing but we knew what was going to happen as a result of that. Yeah. But don't think the Bengals were trying to lose the game. Oh, no, I, I, as I was saying, as far as a fan base, not yes. as an organization. But you think players. about you think about down 16 with 35 seconds left, and you come all the way back to tie the game. Think about Tyler Boyd. He gets injured on the second to last play of regulation, and he's able to crawl to the right side of the field, stand up so the Bengals could spike the football. If that if that doesn't tell you. That no player or team is trying to tank. I don't know what will. And that's with Joe Burrow being the presumptuous number one... Presum- is that the word? Presumptuous number one overall pick? Yeah. If that doesn't tell you that a, a, no player or, or team is, try, is trying to tank, then I don't know what will. Because the Bengals were getting dominated the, dominated the entire game. They were down 28-6. to six. They were getting nothing going offensively. And yet, here they were... And Andy Dalton, the two-point conversion, he ran that in himself. The Bengals were trying to win the game. The Bengals did not get the number one overall pick because they tanked. How many games did they lose by 20 points? San Francisco, Pittsburgh, uh, Baltimore, New England. That's it. That's four out of their 14 losses. Several of their games last year, eight games they lost last year by one score. You're telling me that that's tanking? No. And as far as Joe Burrow is concerned, it, this offseason, what needs to happen is, and we're going to go into this more in our offseason. We should do an offseason preview show. Mm-hmm. We, should, we should dedicate an entire show to the offseason. Previewing the offseason. Excuse me. Happen, yeah. Previewing the offseason. See, we're not going away during the offseason. No. Can't get rid of us yet. This is not. This is not. This is not a. You know. A, like I said, this is a. This is a twelve-month business here. See, we're open for business. So, we'll, we'll talk about this more on the off-season preview show. But this off-season, what you need to do is, what the Bengals front office needs to continue to do is, they need to continue to invest in Joe Burrow heavily, and that is giving him a. a competent quality offensive line it's giving him a productive receiver group it's also thinking about complementary football and bolstering the defense at areas that need bolstering like defensive line Geno Atkins is going to leave like cornerback if you're not going to re-sign William Jackson linebacker maybe needs to be addressed you have to continue to the whole team it has to be about Joe Burrow and what can we do to maximize our potential to winning for winning while he is on a rookie deal? Because let me tell you, 
Joe Burrow is going to demand money. Can we afford to pay him the money that we need to pay him? I mean, I think ultimately this team knows down the road, um, unless something you know catastrophic happens, that they're going to have to pay Joe Burrow a lot of money to stay with this team. I mean, I could see in the realm of a Deshaun Watson type contract um, as one of the top. What about what about what about a Mahomes contract? Uh, that's. I mean, if he wins an MVP in a Super Bowl in his second season, then maybe we'll, what we'll if he discuss does? it. Um, but I think this team ultimately, you know, obviously this game is still huge. We already talked about it, but um, we're already seeing signs of this team knowing that big change is needed. Um, it was reported by Elise Jesse today that uh, Jim Turner, uh, the offensive line coach, Nick Eason, the defensive line coach, and a, another. Uh, is Gerald Chapman, uh, he's a defensive assistant, are guaranteed to be gone following tomorrow's game. Which I'm fine with. Jim Turner especially, he needs to go. Oh, Jim Turner is easily um, one of the worst hires by this organization in a very long time. Um, and I could say that with the utmost confidence. But <laughs> I think what this organization now, in, in Alicia Jesse's article, um, she basically had said that this organization was very blunt with Zach Taylor. Um, very straightforward saying hey listen you know we haven't had very much success the last few years we, we brought you in this is your second year as our head coach um, we took a huge um, you know leap of faith and you know got you as the quarterbacks coach for the Rams um, and you know you brought in these guys and they just have not had success you know they have not produced um, the level of play that we have hoped that they would and I know that one positional coach might not, um, you know, be the determining factor of how the, that entire positional group plays throughout the duration of the season, but it should fall the responsibility on them, especially with how bad the offensive line has played for the Bengals this year uh, for the majority of the season. So I think Jim Turner going is a huge thing. Um, Nick Eason, you know, this defensive line has been, uh, I think, probably the worst in sacks uh, the entire year. Um, Carl Lawson is an outlier. He has the second most quarterback pressures in the entire league. So he's an outlier. He's an anomaly. Sam Hubbard obviously was injured. DJ Reader's been injured. Geno Atkins, obviously he's injured. He's on IR. He's done for the year. Going to be gone after this season. Um, so I, I can understand uh, maybe why they're letting him go. But with all the injuries, you know, it might be uh, kind of a close call. But it was also reported that this was not the only firings that were set to happen. Maybe this game could be uh, a determining factor on whether Luana Rumo stays. Maybe it could be a determining factor if Bill Callahan stays. Or is it Brian or B Brian Callahan? Brian Callahan. Brian Callahan. Bill Callahan is his father. Yes. Um, so, you know, these guys are coaching for something. If Luana Rumo comes out and gives up 500 yards of offense to Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, he's gone. And I, I really feel like he's gone because even though Zach Taylor brought this guy in and he likes him a lot from when he spent time with him in Miami um, – you know, this organization is ready to win. They drafted Joe Burrow to win. They're not going to wait around for Zach Taylor to make the right decisions for his positional coaches. Um, and so, obviously, they're already moving in the right direction. Um, and you can only hope that in free agency, who uh, I've also heard from a few Bengals writers, Lindsey Patterson, Elise Jesse, that they believe this team will be active in free agency. Um, I'm not sure if that's because of things they've already heard or if that's just going off of, you know, Zach Taylor's full, first full offseason last year. Uh, and for agency, but um, you know, I, I'm really excited, and I don't want to say I'm ready for this game to be over and to move in the off season, but I also am ready for you know the the next chapter, uh, the you know Joe Burrow to get back, Zach Taylor to um, you know have his third 
year with the Bengals, his second full offseason with the Bengals, and see what they do because, you know, this this could be one of the biggest turnarounds in this team's history. And if they do all the right things, they sign the free agents, they draft the guys, they get people healthy, um, maybe they are a Super Bowl contender like a lot of people thought they could be this year. But, you know, it's, <laughs> it's going to take a lot. It's going well, to take an overhaul. Well, this show will be fun. We'll be talking about every single game instead of just making this about the organization every single week. What was... Uh, okay. Uh, anyway, that goes back to the point, Justin, the last points you made. Going back to the show on Monday, when you asked me and Preston, you said, um, can you see this team as a playoff team next year? And if they if they actually make the necessary moves that they need to in the, in the offseason, the front office, with, the, with free agency and the draft, and being active in free agency for the second consecutive offseason, then yes, I can see this team... Because they are ready to win. That's why they drafted Joe Burrow. Like, 2019 with Zach Taylor. Like, look, that year, you can you can make that a pass. Now, I, I still think that there were games that year that they should have won, but also understand that that team was not talented. That, that, that was a roster where... That was a roster still stuck in the Marvin Lewis era with, it, with a head coach trying to implement his system. And you're going to have those growing pains, you know, in that situation. But then you move on from Andy Dalton, you get Joe, you draft Joe Burrow, and you set the stage for this new era, and we saw before Burrow went down what this offense could look like. And that's why this is an instance, and I know there's a lot of fans upset that Zach Taylor is going to be here for a third year, but understand this, there is, and this is something that I wrote on my blog, that you can embrace the reality that Zach Taylor's going to be here, or you can just wallow in pity about it, however, if you embrace it, you would, like I am, understand this. Week six through eight of this season against the Colts, Joe Burrow looked outside of the one interception he threw late in the game, which, yes, that was maybe the biggest mistake he's made this season. Outside of that one, intercep- outside of that one interception, he was great that game. The Bengals' offense in the first, what, 17 minutes? That, 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 was a, that offense, we saw the potential that it has. The Browns game. 34 points. Tennessee, 31. They averaged over 30 points per game in that three-week stretch, and we saw in those three weeks the potential that this offense has with Joe Burrow. We saw it in the Jacksonville game. We saw it in the Philly game, the Cleveland game, uh, before we got hurt in the Washington game. So there is there is immense potential with Joe Burrow. We This is why the Bengals drafted him, and this is why he was the number one overall pick in the NFL draft because he is as good as advertised. So, what we need to do, and they recognize, hey, we can win with Joe Burrow. We can win, you know, because he has guys like T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd and Auden Tate to throw to. He has, he's going to have C.J. Uzama and Drew Sample coming back. And he's also just a really good athlete at quarterback because he can also run the football in addition to his amazing abilities as a passer. Gio Bernard and Joe Mixon, too, come back next, are, are back next year. Maybe even some AJP Ryan. So what we need to continue to do is maximize our potential while Joe Burrow is on a rookie deal and understand that he's only going to get better and he has the potential to lead the Bengals to a postseason berth maybe next year. If you're thinking that this team, Justin, is going to have the biggest turnaround in franchise history in making the playoffs next season, which maybe isn't that far out of the question. I would temper your expectations as a fan a little bit, but 
understand that it would not shock me completely if this team made the playoffs next year. Do you agree with that? Uh, no. I, I mean, obviously it depends on a lot with the Ravens. Obviously the Ravens have had a clear uh, decline since uh, last year. You know, I think Lamar Jackson was just obviously – I mean, he was the MVP of the league. He was amazing. And, um, you know, I think maybe some of the defenses figured him out a little bit. The Browns are on the rise. Uh, who knows if they can sustain that success. And you never know what the Steelers uh, – even in uh, the you know their down years are still pretty good. So obviously it's going to start with winning divisional games, which clearly they're able to do after beating the Steelers and then being close with the Browns in both games. Um, not so much the Ravens, but that could also turn around tomorrow. So you never know. Um, but you know you talked about the turnaround from when I'm going to kind of transition this a little bit. But Marvin Lewis, you know when he was the head coach, he had his guys. You know there's the guys that were with Marvin Lewis through thick and thin um, for those. Mm -hmm you know, really down years uh, from 2016 to 2018. Um, and one of those guys is A.J. Green. And A.J. Green is a guy who's on the opposite side of 30. Um, you know, he's been healthy for basically the entire year this year. Um, and he just has not had very much success. He's not a guy that has produced. And he's only had one touchdown this year during the Washington game, and that's it. Um, you know, He also had one during the Dallas game. Oh, uh, sorry. Yeah, I, I apologize. But yeah. that's not that's not adding much. Yeah, I've, yeah. So he he's had two touchdowns this year. I believe a little over 500 year, yards. Correct me if I'm wrong. And that's just one of the guys that obviously was phenomenal during his first few years in the league. Uh, he struggled with injuries. Um, you know, playing with a few different quarterbacks. Uh, AJ McCarron, Andy Dalton. Obviously, they had immense success uh, together. But you know, I think. AJ Green, we we touched on at the very beginning of the show, and I really wanted to open up the show with AJ Green because um, obviously that's a huge storyline going into this game. And um, you know, we talk about the new faces and the young guys and the guys that might be with this team next year, and I just I just don't see AJ Green as one of them. And most of the Bengals reporters do, do not see AJ Green with this team next year, whether that's retirement, whether that's playing with another team. Uh, he's clearly he's obviously on the franchise tag this year, and he's making a lot of money. Um, and I just don't see this team resigning him. He's like I mentioned, he's on the opposite side of thirty. He's going to demand a big contract. I think he might even demand a bigger contract than most people would expect, despite the lack of production. Uh, just going off of um, you know the contract uh, type money that he was you know demanding going into this season. Um, and I think it's going to be you know really emotional to watch him play tomorrow. Uh, hopefully he breaks that record by Chad Johnson, but. Um, you know, I think AJ Green's uh, out the door after this game, and I think it really opens up the door for T. Higgins to be wide receiver one, along with Tyler Boyd, and you know, maybe even a guy like Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith. Um, you know, as far as AJ Green goes, um, what do you have to say about his time with Cincinnati? What do you have to say about what you think he might, you know, where he might be uh, next year? And do you see him maybe staying with this team? And if he is, um, what kind of role would you say that he might have with this team? A.J. Green is one of the all-time great, not just wide receivers, but one of the all-time great players in the history of the Cincinnati Bengals. When you think about what he has accomplished in his career, he was one of, I, I think, he, he started his career with seven straight Pro Bowl selections. Mm -hmm. That's extremely rare to do. It's, that's extremely rare. There's a stat in the Bengals media guy that says that he's one of only a certain amount of players, and there's, and there's probably, you know, you can count them on two hands, less than that, of the number of players in the history of the NFL that have started their careers with 
seven straight Pro Bowl appearances. Six 1,000-yard seasons in his first seven seasons. If he does get hurt in 2016, he might have 1,500 yards because he was only six yards shy when he went down in that game against Buffalo in 2016. When I think of, the, when I think of A.J. Green, I'm just going to remember all the, just the consistency. You always knew that he could strike at any point in a game. I wish he would have done it more in primetime games and marquee games throughout his career. The Bengals didn't have very many, and when they had those opportunities, A.J. Green wasn't really a huge factor in those games. But what I'm going to remember is when the ball kicked off at 1 o'clock on Sundays, he had those he had those eight catches, 100-yard games. He had those two touchdown games. He had, those, he had his occasional three touchdown games, a la Thursday Night Football against the Ravens in 2018. I'm just going to remember, he was a pro's pro, didn't really say much, but when he did, you listened, and he, he wasn't really, you know, he, he was this quiet guy, he was humble, but at the same time, he was this insanely athletic wide receiver. Yes, he was injury prone, he's not, unfortunately, one of those big stout wide receivers like a Julio Jones or a Calvin Johnson, uh, Antonio Brown's never really like that, Michael Thomas is, he's not really like that, but what he was was he was very consistent. He and Andy Dalton were one of the uh, one of the most underrated quarterback wide receiver combos in the league. Partly because the Bengals were never taken seriously by the national media. Here in Cincinnati they were, and we're gonna remember AJ Green as one of the all time great players in franchise history. This so far this season has been a struggle. Yes, he only has forty seven receptions on ninety eight targets, which is below fifty percent. 523 yards, two touchdowns, a long, of thir- a long catch of 33 yards. Um, however, I still think there is merit to keeping him around. And I know that that is a very unpopular opinion. But when you think about why, when the Bengals released Andy Dalton and they didn't have an insurance policy behind Joe Burrow, that's your franchise player. We did mention here after week four, the day after the Jacksonville game, I asked you all this question. I asked you and Preston, who would you rather invest more in, A.J. Green or T. Higgins? That probably was a stupid question because the answer is obvious. You're going to invest more in T. Higgins. But at the same time, understand what happens if T. Higgins goes down? What happens if your rookie wide receiver doesn't develop into the guy that you hope he becomes? Now, generally, when you draft a wide receiver in the first round, from what I know of, uh, think about Justin Jefferson, CeeDee Lamb, uh, Mari Cooper. You think about... Um, I, I'm, there, there's a handful of other wide receivers. Calvin Johnson, was he a first-round draft pick? Julio Jones was, I know that. Uh, Michael Thomas of the Saints. You think about um, even DK Metcalf, second-round pick. Look what he's become. You think about um, who else was a first-round draft? First-round wide receiver pick that's been that's developed into this elite receiver in the NFL. I'm trying to think. Oh, uh, um, well... And Jerry Judy's on the rise. Yeah, Jerry Judy's on the rise. Henry Ruggs is up in the air. Yep. Uh, what I'm saying, what I'm saying to you is, you know, you know, playing wide receiver. Yes, obviously the NFL is a lot is a lot faster. It's a lot more physical than college football might be. But if you can, if you can, you know, play more physical than your opposing cornerback, and you have speed, you're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Quarterback quarterback transition is a lot harder than a wide receiver transition. I mean, if you can run and you can catch, you're fine. You're you're, you're you can carve you can carve out a good career. And AJ Green has done that. 
But understand, if T. Higgins goes down or if Tyler Boyd goes down, and you're and if you draft a receiver like Jamar Chase or Devontae Smith or whomever you draft, I wouldn't draft Jalen Waddle. You want to have another wide receiver who can step in. And if A.J. Green is willing to take on a lesser role, understanding that, you know, I, this he's been in the league for 10 years. That's a long time. And he and this is a guy who has had injuries in four and three of the last five years. And he also had injuries in 2014. So really it's four years of the last six seasons. Four, to, four years, four seasons in a span of six years he had injuries which caused him to miss games. Do you, I mean, does he think he can play at an elite level somewhere else? And if he doesn't, is he willing to take on a lesser role? I, I just don't know at this point in his career. Um, you know, he always says how him and his family love the city of Cincinnati. You know, he's had both of his kids here. I, he actually might have three kids at this point. But, you know, he got married uh, during his time in Cincinnati. Um you know, this is home. This is where he spent a, 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 the majority of his adult life um, and playing football. And, you know, I'm sure that he would, as much as he would love to stay here, um, I also could see him just wanting to go to a contender in his, you know, final few seasons. But the Bengals, but, but, but don't mean to cut you off there, but the Bengals could be a contender next year. That's true. But, you know, with A.J. Green's history here and his, you know, I'm sure he's heard several times that this team could be a contender but it just you know with Cincinnati's luck and Cincinnati's track record it's it, it probably just doesn't I mean if I was in AJ Green's shoes I just don't think it would seem very fathomable fathomable if I were him and I'm sure that he would like to go to a team maybe like Kansas City even though they're already um you know very potent on offense but you know maybe as just a lesser role guy um and I think he would probably be more content being a lesser role guy with a team like Kansas City than he would with Cincinnati because they might not be there next year, but maybe they're there the year after. It's just so hard to tell. Whereas Kansas City, you know, they're clear a clear team that could probably win the Super Bowl every single year just going off, you know, these last couple seasons. Yeah, but you have to understand, AJ Green has lost a step, and he, I mean, if you want if you want to play with Kansas City, you got to be pretty you got to be a pretty uh, speedster at wide receiver. And I don't think he. I mean, I don't know if he can play in Andy Reid. Excuse me, his offense. With Sammy Watkins and, excuse me, Nicole Hardman, Demarcus Robinson, I don't think he can. I think he has to go to a contender that is not just so fast and up-tempo on offense, maybe like the Indianapolis Colts, maybe like the, um, well, the Ravens are up-tempo, maybe the, I mean, he would never go to the Steelers, but they are like that, and, and the Browns, same thing. Uh, maybe, maybe Buffalo. Um, but now, oh, go ahead. I was say now my question to you is, if he expressed an interest to return to Cincinnati, which he hasn't necessarily done, but he's more, you know, been kind of up in the air about his decision. What would the max contract you be willing to give him? Because the franchise tag clearly is going to be a lot of money for a team that is probably going to want to spend in free agency, um, you know, and sign some big name guys like Carl Lawson and William Jackson. What would be the max amount of money annually that you'd want to give him, that you'd be willing to give him? Annually that I would give him? Probably around $10 million. Now, you, See, I'm so, I'm so bad at this. Like, I, I've never understood, and this is, why I'm, this is why I could never be an NFL owner right now. 
is because I don't understand the business side of this, but like the max contract that I'd be willing to give AJ Green, it wouldn't be much because of his injury history. But at the same time, Justin, think about this. He has had such a productive career here in Cincinnati. And when he is on the field and understand that this is his first season in a new offense with a rookie quarterback in Joe Burrow. I think, again, this is a very unpopular opinion. There is merit to keeping A.J. Green. There is, there is an absolute merit to keeping A.J. Green. And I, if the Bengals do keep him, the franchise tag, I mean, what would you be, what would you be comfortable with him getting on the franchise tag? I mean, I, I honestly would not want to pay him any more than 9 to $10 million annually. I mean, I think at that point you have That's to... That's what say, I'd be willing to. I mean, it's just so hard to say because you have to say, at that point, you have to say, listen, we're giving this guy who I think is 31 or 32, this amount of money, we could be giving that to another guy who is younger, who's going to play for this team for an extended period of time, who has proven to be able to make big plays and be a big factor for our team. And and I, I just don't, I love AJ Green. Don't get me wrong. I think he is obviously one of the best players in franchise history one of the best wide receivers in the last 10 years in the NFL. But at this point in his career, he, he just hasn't been able to show that he can sustain, that he can be healthy and he can sustain uh, success. And I think Zach Taylor, I think he's kind of, you know, out with the old and with the new. Carlos Dunlap is gone. Geno Atkins is soon to be gone. And I think AJ is just going to be the next guy who's out the door. I, mean, I, I just don't see any, and I, I get your point. I, I understand that, having a wide receiver who could be there if your if your number one wide receiver goes down and i can understand how important it could be for aj green to be there but i also think that wide receiver can come in very different you don't necessarily have to get a guy like aj green to be your backup you can find a guy later on in the draft who could you know step in and maybe prove that he was worth that draft pick it it doesn't necessarily have to be aj green who's the backup who could be there if there's an injury in my opinion yeah, and I think that's a great point you bring up there that Zach Taylor's trying to make this his team, and AJ Green clearly hasn't worked out in his system, and if Zach Taylor does come back, you are going to have to factor that in. That is why I do ultimately believe that AJ Green will not be here next season. But again, there is merit to keeping him. and It's just, I'm going to keep wondering what could have been with AJ Green, because you know, he was, he, he, you, we saw week after week what he was, but whenever the national, whenever the national stage showcased him, he was either I mean Andy Dalton either a it was either a Andy Dalton couldn't get in the ball consistently or he was shut down by an elite cornerback. So that is it's unfortunate because he only he played in four playoff games and only caught one touchdown. Should have had two, maybe three if he hadn't dropped that pass against the then San Diego Chargers. If Andy Dalton hadn't overthrown him against the, the Texans the second time we played him. So, I mean, he it's unfortunate that he never reached that elite status that so many of the great wide receivers, like Randy Moss, who never won a Super Bowl, but yes, has went to the playoffs on numerous occasions. You think about guys like Jerry Rice, won how many Super Bowls? Four, five? How many Super Bowls did Jerry Rice win? I should know this off the top of my head. I think he won five Super Bowls. Okay. So... You, you, you know he delivered on the big stage. You think about Andre Reid, four Super Bowl appearances. You think about um, who else that, that, that's been elite over the years. 
Larry Fitzgerald. Larry Fitzgerald had Larry Fitzgerald in the playoffs is one is one of the greatest receivers of all time. Steve Smith went to a Super Bowl with Carolina, I believe, and then you think about went to another playoff appearance with the Ravens. Um, any other elite wide receivers that have played in this in this day and age? Even I mean Marcus Colson when he was in his day and age won a Super Bowl. Jory Nelson had playoff success. Um, I'm trying to think of who else. Anquan Bolden. Uh, even out, I mean, uh, I'm trying. I'm kind of losing my train of thought here, but like, there's certain San Antonio Holmes and Heinz Ward. You know, it's unfortunate that you know he was never able to showcase his elite athleticism and skill set on a national stage consistently the playoffs over the years because the Bengals never advanced in the playoffs during his time here but again it it's it's going to come down to what the Bengals ultimately conclude in their roster evaluation particularly of, of AJ Green and then you think about you know what this what he on his end what he wants next year now we talk aj green let's talk about some other players who may or may not be back next year gino atkins is he back next year or is he not i believe it was elise jesse or maybe it was tyler dragon who had originally reported that um they confirmed that gino atkins would not be back with the team next year um there's no doubt in my mind that he will be gone um and i think that similar to aj green you know He's been consistent over the years, made Pro Bowls in like his first seven, eight years. Um, but he's dealt with some injuries, especially this year with that shoulder injury. And, um, you know, he just hasn't been able to sustain success and he hasn't been able, been able to produce. And that's, you know, in the NFL, if you're not able to play every week and you're not able to produce every week, then you're out the door. And even a guy like Geno Atkins, who's been with this team for years, um, you know, it's just it's just the way it is. It's just the NFL. I think he's gone. I think he's gone. But again, like Lewin, but like we, I talked about with Carlos Dunlap, did Lewin or Rumo ruin what a great defensive player he is? Because here's a guy, along with Carlos Dunlap, prior to the start of the 2018 season, signed a lucrative contract extension. And the next thing you know, the Bengals go 6-10. and 10. Their defensive coordinator, Terrell Austin, Terrell Austin, was fired. Marvin Lewis couldn't get do the job as a defensive coordinator. He was fired after the 18 season. And Lou Anarumo comes in, and the Bengals' defense has been subsequently worse. Did Lou Anarumo ruin what a great defensive player Carlos Dunlap is with his scheme and his ideas as a defensive coordinator? Is that the same case with Geno Atkins? As as far as Carlos Dunlap goes, I think the only reason he was gone was because he wasn't getting the play. I do understand he had a lack of playing time, but then the way he handled it was absolutely abysmal. He had to go. There's... No doubt in my mind that that was the right choice by this organization to let him go. And I think now that they've won two straight games, it, it, it proves that that was the right thing to do. Yeah, it was the right thing to do. I, I think that he was obviously a great player. Um, he's shown that he's can still play at a very high level with Seattle. Um, but Geno Atkins, you know, you, the thing with Geno Atkins is you got to think, you know, if he stays with this team next year, are you are you getting more out of him than if no? Are you getting more out of him than what you would have, than what you would be with a different guy? I mean, I can't necessarily say that you are because uh, in the limited snaps that Geno Atkins has gotten this year, he's not been very good. And I get that he's dealing with a shoulder injury, but at his age and 
you know, with the injuries, I just don't think that you're helping this roster and you're helping this team keeping him around. No, you're not. He's not that consistent, constant force of nature that he has been for so long. He's not that anymore. And he wasn't even like that in 2018. So that tells you all you need to know. He's gone. And look, Gino is one of the all-time great defensive players in the history of this franchise. See, that's the thing. There are holdovers from the Marvin Lewis era in that 2011 through 2015 run where the Bengals had their most sustained success in franchise history. Now we're going to this new era, and it's, again, this is why the quarterback is the most valuable position in sports. He he transitions teams to new eras. And you have to, not just on offense, but on defense, give him every opportunity to succeed in this league. Geno Atkins is gone. Now let's move on to some players who are younger than Green and Atkins. William Jackson. Um, I know we have very differing opinions on this. I think it is very crucial that this team re-signs William Jackson. You saw against the Texans, okay, first of all, the, William Jackson, he wasn't having a great day against Brandon Cooks, but then when he went out and you put a guy like LaShawn Sims on Brandon Cooks, that was game over. Brandon Cooks, I think, had like 150-plus receiving yards, a touchdown. I mean, it was awful. He absolutely cooked LaShawn Sims. <laughs> I think if you really want to be serious about contending, you have to bring a guy like William Jackson back because while 2018 and 2019 were kind of down years for him after such an impressive, uh, I guess, his first, his rookie year, after missing his actual rookie year in 2007 and 2016, his 2017 rookie year was phenomenal. And we saw what he could be, and then he just didn't quite get to that level in 2018, 2019. But this year, he's really stepped up his game. I thought that he's gotten significantly better, and I think that he's been fairly consistent. Obviously, being a corner in the NFL, it's hard to be consistent game in and game out, but I think he could. He was as consistent as a, a number one corner can be. I would, I, I, I would bring him back because, again, you mentioned what happened when LaShawn Sims had to come in for him on Sunday at Houston. And that's where you go, okay, William Jackson has his flaws and his weaknesses, but who's better than him right now on the roster? So maybe what you do is you either, A, you sign a corner in free agency, or you draft a corner where you can put a little pressure on him and create some competition at that cornerback position. I mentioned to you, if we can get, and this is a dream scenario, if we can get Stephon Gilmore at a reduced price because he's now he now has an ACL injury, which could reduce his value a little bit, slightly, if you get Stephon Gilmore and then you make Jackson your number two corner and Gilmore your number one corner, hey, that, you know, teams will then target William. Actually, that puts a little more pressure on Jackson because teams will target him more. So I, I do think you need to bring him back. But one guy I'd want to bring back over him is Carl Lawson. Yeah, I mean, I think it's vital that you bring both those guys back. Like I mentioned earlier on in the show, Carl Lawson is second in the league with quarterback pressures. While he has not translated all those as sacks, he has, I believe, six and a half sacks on the year or something close to that. He's yeah. been very consistent. And, I, I mean, he is obviously very active in the uh, pass game. He's a very good run stopper. Um, and even if he doesn't produce all those, all those sacks, those pressures are going to lead to forced throws, errant plays by the quarterback. And, um, you know, I... I think that we could bring him back, but I don't want to see him. Um, I I don't think this. I think this. It's going to be very easy for this team to overpay him, and I think that might happen. And that's not something I necessarily want to see. But if that does happen, 
then at least we know where we're going to be getting out of him. Uh, There's a potential years. for a return on investment, though. Yeah. Uh, Billy Price. He's There's no way. I mean, Billy Price is a guy that came in in the first round, and when he got the chance to play at center, he was abysmal. He dealt with some injuries. He kind of got you know thrown behind Trey Hopkins. He got moved around to some of the guard positions, and there's no way he's back. I mean, at least not in my opinion, unless the Bengals want you know like some insurance and in some of the offensive linemen. But I just don't see him returning. Bobby Hart. Bobby Hart could be interesting because I think that Jim Turner loved Bobby Hart, and Bobby Hart at the beginning of the season he was exactly what we thought he was. You know, awful, <laughs> and. Uh, in that Chargers and uh, Browns game, but he's gotten better as the year has he gone Luka, on. He got Luka Doncic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But the thing is, as even though he got better as the year went on, um, even at his best, he still wasn't a great right tackle. And I think it was, you know, kind of a little too late. Um, you know, too little, too late uh, as the year went on. I think I went through. Oh, um, Darius Phillips. Is he a free agent? I don't think he is. I'm not sure he's a free agent, but... Okay, okay so we mentioned all the key players. Mackenzie Alexander. We haven't even talked about the game tomorrow. Yeah, do, but... Do we remember there's a game tomorrow? I will say... I, there's a reaction We, we kind of did. We kind of did talk about it a little bit, how the first game you know, was, was embarrassing because the, the offensive line got just ran over by the Ravens' defense. They they completely were not prepared for that blitzing attack that Don Wake Martin Hill has, or has up his sleeve. Uh, they did, however, shut down Lamar Jackson at just three rushing yards. So there was some positives that came out of that game, and they did transition a little bit over into the Colts game, at least when we went up 21 nothing. and then the rest of that caused me to go on a seven-minute rant the next day. Um, but yeah, tomorrow it, it, it is a meaningful game because you can knock a team out of the playoffs. You have guys playing for their second contracts, for, for new contracts. You have coaches who are coaching for their lives. I mean... For their jobs. I mean, we know three who are going to be out the door after this season. Lou Anarumo's coaching for his job. Is Brian Callahan's job safe to you? I think so. Be- just because, uh, you know, I think the thing with Brian Callahan is we you don't really know where you're getting from him. And I, I think, like, if Brian Callahan was really bad, um, you wouldn't really know. But if he was really good, you wouldn't, you wouldn't really know either. So I, I think it's hard to tell with him. I think, he's, I think he stays just because... Um, you know, Zach Taylor's a play caller, and I think Brian Callahan, I think Zach Taylor really likes having him around. The point I was trying to make earlier is this. When you have a young quarterback as talented as Joe Burrow is and you change head coaches, sometimes that can that can hinder the development of that quarterback. So in this case, it is good maybe that Zach Taylor's staying for a third season, especially because we saw the potential of him as a play caller and the fact that he has led the Bengals, coached the Bengals to two straight wins without nine starters in the previous two games. That is being resourceful and it's being creative. And that's something that Marvin Lewis never really did. He could coach when he had a full deck of cards at his disposal, but when you, you, you don't have, you know, whatever it may be, he wasn't able to do that. So, real quick, score predictions for tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow, I think the Bengals are going to lose 30-23. to 23. It's better than I hope that ends up being the case than the, the first game. I, I do think the Ravens will win tomorrow. I just can't, I can't pick the Bengals to beat the Ravens. I mean, what are the Ravens? Uh, 14 point favor, something like that, 12 and a half point favor. Yeah. Ravens are 40 and 0 when they are favored by double digits or more in franchise history. They've never lost a game when they've been that much of a favorite. I think the Ravens win tomorrow. I'll go 31 to 20. Ravens win. 31 20. Well, uh, I know as we only have a few seconds left, but I just want to thank anyone that's listened to the show throughout the year. I know we still have our reaction show and we still have the offseason shows, but 
as far as the preview show goes, this is the last one. And I think I just, you know, I'm really appreciative of anyone that's listened throughout the year. And both Alex, uh, you and I, and Preston, and even Zach, he joined us for a show or two. Um, you know, we've been a lot of work, and we're really proud of what we've done this year. And, uh, yeah, so this is the last 10 seconds. Thank you so much for listening. It was an honor to talk to you guys. We will talk to you guys on Monday and uh, throughout the off season. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you guys very soon.